The Ponch Stevenson Show. PonchStevenson.com. Episode 243. Saturday, May 31st, 2014. This is The Ponch Stevenson Show. PonchStevenson.com. Episode 243. I am Rob. You are Greg. That's right. And start us off. So this is uh, Greg from the Paunch Stevenson Show. You may have heard me before since you're already listening to the show. Uh, I'm here with our good friend Frankie. Say hello. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> Who's been on the show before. I don't remember what we talked about. I think Atari Lynx, if my memory serves. <laughs> I just remember being in the stuffy, dusty digital press basement. Surrounded by wondrous stacks of old games and consoles that Joe has excess sacked away down there. And yeah, I remember us talking yeah, something yeah, something about the Atari Lynx. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Atari Lynx. Yeah, I I I like it as well. Um so we're here without Rob because uh we're talking about a show which I've known about for many years and I never actually watched it just for various reasons that it was on and I never caught it and then it got to be like season three and I still hadn't watched it and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to catch up now. I'm just going to wait until it's over with. I don't think you're alone in that. I think a lot of people. I do. think a majority of Breaking Bad, which we're talking about Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad. Um, <laughs> a lot of well, them ignored it for the first few seasons and wound up catching up, shotgunning it on Netflix, you know, doing marathon runs of it, and word of mouth got around, and it was one of those shows midstream, kind of like Lost, where, where the wow. word, word of mouth was... Well, I'm not talking about the narrative or the consistency or the actors or anything like that. I'm just talking about the word of mouth being super strong and people getting influenced by friends and family and co-workers and that kind of water-cooler discussion right. about well, the show. I mean, the ratings for Breaking Bad for, like, the first three seasons on AMC, the ratings were, like, a 1. You know, like, every episode was, like, 1, 1. 1.2, 1. 1.3. They weren't good. And they were they were almost, like, HBO-type ratings. Hmm. And it, the word of mouth got so big that by season 4, they were up to, like, 3s and 4s. And then there's season 5, which they split it into, like, two years. 
I mean that that it, it just grew to the point where like the the next to last episode was like an eight something, and the last episode of Breaking Bad was like an eleven. Wow, something. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen a show like it where it, the popularity grew so much so late in the show's life. It's impressive, but yeah, it's it's indicative of that strong word of mouth and people, you know, getting influenced. And I think it also it comes hand in hand with the rise of streaming services being affordable and convenient. Things like Netflix yeah. having five seasons available all at once. Um, that really makes that kind of thing easy for people. And then they, you know, they catch up and then they all jumped on in the last season, having been caught up on the on the show. Yeah. Well, plus it became like a pop culture reference point. You know, like all the late night shows would like do jokes and and like Saturday Night Live, they would do jokes and and you know people would kind of reference it, like in their colloquial talk. Sure, I'm sure. And all of a sudden it was like people because they just expected. Well, everybody knows Breaking Bad now. It's a lot like, of Heisenberg and Say My Name. Yeah, I'm sure made its way into the vernacular of, of all the late night talk shows and comedy sketch things and so to real quick the I mean the show's premise is pretty simple um, it stars Brian Cranston who was previously known for Malcolm in the Middle um, I knew him as the one-armed guy in a very very short scene in, in Saving Private Ryan I didn't know that that's really cool uh, he was in the beginning of that movie um, I mean he's great Tremendous actor, very funny, um, and they had you know he was the main character Walter White, and he's kind of this like goofy you know nerdy school teacher he taught chemistry, and found out that he had terminal cancer, and they gave him like a couple of months to live sure. or something like that, and he went from being like this guy who was very quiet and like like he was he. He didn't make a lot of money, so he worked at a car wash. And the guy that owned the car wash would bully him. And he never did anything with it. And he was always like, hey, you know, I guess people bullied him his whole life. Whatever. The classic schlub character. Yeah. <laughs> he was really, really downtrodden. And, and yeah. you know, and his, his life was far from glamorous. His, his house... His house is one of... I think in the I'm history... Bad. In the history of television... No, it's, it's not... It's not like a decrepit house, but in the history of TV, <laughs> and I'm paneling. sure I'm sure that Vince Gilligan, the, the showrunner, intentionally did this. It's one of the most darkest yes. lit home uh, environments you will find in in the history of television. Not just modern TV. It's like a basement. It's always lit like yeah. super dark, super almost noir, almost like but, film noir style. But you know, the weird thing was the outside. And by the way, the house was the, the show was filmed and and located in, in in the setting of the show in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and the out the exterior shots of the house, it was always bright and sunny, like it never rained on yeah. the show. I'm sure that's some kind of metaphor for the just the darkness yeah, right. of his his home life. And another running gag on yeah. the show that people caught on is that they're always there's always sequences in Breaking Bad where they're eating breakfast. Breakfast right. is like some pivotal thing in their in their lives. The show opens with him having breakfast on his uh, birthday. Birthday, his fiftieth birthday. Fiftieth birthday. So breakfast from the get go of the show yeah. is is a pivotal so uh, thing. Right. So he's like fifty years old. Is a, a teacher. Uh, 
you know, gets this terrible news. He's married to a woman. Uh, I never really. I she seemed like she was in her thirties in terms of the character. Um, Skyler was her name, uh, played by Anna Gunn, and they have one older son who was um, Walter Junior. Yeah, well, well, Walter Junior, who they also called Flynn. He, yeah, he wanted to be called Flynn. Um, Tron thing or something. That <laughs> was based on, uh, I, I think, a, Bridges. A, a, a novel, that, oh. a character from a novel that he had been very enamored with. I can't remember. Yeah. A, a, certainly a classic uh, novel, but I can't remember. And he had uh, some kind of cerebral palsy or Bell's palsy or something like that. Uh, so he had trouble walking and talking. Uh, and the actual actor also suffered f- suffers from the same uh, ailment. Uh, I can't. It's like what's his name? Like R.J. R.J. Mittite. R.J. Mittite or Mitty. R.J. Mitty. Yeah, he was he was great in the role. I mean, he was kind of perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. To uh, to have. And that. and the wife gets pregnant. You know, so now they're going to have another baby, and um, and he gets this terrible news. And so what happens is his brother-in-law Hank is a DEA agent um, and uh, gosh what's what's the actor's name of oh, Dean Norris Dean Norris Dean yes. Norris yeah uh, who I love is very Hank Hank yeah. Schrader Hank <laughs> Schrader who you know you start out made his own beer introduced to Hank and you kind of think he's a Fred Flintstone type <laughs> a real knucklehead but he turns out to be one of the smartest characters right. in the show and he's always like telling inappropriate jokes and joking and you know wisecracking and stuff like that and he's married to Skylar's sister Marie Marie who I gotta tell you when the show started I hated this woman <laughs> I hated her she was so obnoxious and then she kind of grew on me but anyway so they're they're married they don't have any kids so anyway she gets this terrible news and he's thinking I guess he's like thinking like what you know what do I do with my life my, I got this baby on the way. I make no money. My wife doesn't even work anymore. We have no money, etc., etc. So just out of the blue, the the brother-in-law asks if he wants to go on some kind of stakeout, you know, looking after drug dealers or something, and he agrees to go. And while he's on the stakeout, uh, there's this uh, character Jesse. Uh, is one of the drug dealers who kind of gets away, and he recognizes him as one of his former high school students. Pinkman, of course, is the last name. Pinkman. And, um... Bitch. <laughs> and uh, Jesse Pinkman, who's played by, uh... Aaron... Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. Why can't yeah. I remember these people's names? Uh, now, the interesting thing about him was that was not supposed to be a permanent character... Uh, he was like just going to be a throwaway character they killed early on, and they um, uh, Vince Gilligan, what he loved Aaron Paul so much, he's like I, I got to have this guy in the show. I got to make something for him. So they eventually Walter White seeks him out and says, you know, because when he goes in and he sees the layout of this meth lab, and he knowing a lot about chemistry. He says, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, maybe I can do this. And then he sees the cash that they find in the place. And immediately, you know, as the light bulb goes off and he says, I'm going to make this meth. I'm going to cook it, you know, in a, in a perfect way. Because he was also like a perfectionist. He was very anal about his, uh, his chemistry. And so he seeks out this Jesse character to, uh, to help him. 
in in selling the meth and uh, from that point on <laughs> it just goes goes downhill in a sense yeah it's it's one of those great crime stories where the antagonist or protagonist however you want to view walter white yeah. nothing really goes right for him even if, <laughs> even in the best Never. case scenarios i mean even when he's up and running with meth labs and yeah. making millions upon millions of dollars there's always something to counterbalance that to to set his path right. on into the downward spot the, the tailspin <laughs> so essentially what happens over the run of the show is this guy gets cooking winds up cooking more and more meth they they get robbed they get beat up several times they he, he and jesse they cook the meth first out in the desert and then the rv and then they do it in the in another place and, and they have to contend with lo other local drug dealers yes. who have operations yes and somehow with all these both local kind of they're in mexican cartel these low life lower level guys and this other guy um uh, God, why can't I remember his name now? Gus Fring? <laughs> yes, Gus Fring plays by... Yeah, the, uh, by the great Giancarlo yes. Esposito, who you may know from Homicide, Life on the I Street. I do know him from that. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, Do the Right Thing. Oh, yes. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so he, he plays this very, very stoic character where he's like, he's, he's, everybody, he's like the community leader. You know, he helps out the DEA with fundraisers. He also owns a chicken... Food, uh, restaurant chain, which was perfect uh, front, yeah, and, perfect front um, for a drug operation uh, running a chicken. Yeah, he's very mysterious. You think he has a family, then it turns out I think he's gay. Uh, yes, sure. I mean, I think that's implied. Yeah, I, I don't think, think so. it's ever. You know, you never actually see him engaging. But he always talks about his family and he has his house, but sure. you never see anybody. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, so that guy and it, but all along this Walter White and Jesse. They fight with each other, then they make up, and then they fight. And all along, while Walter, Jesse's trying to stay out of jail, and Walter's trying to hide this secret from his family, um, somehow they just get more and more and more powerful in the meth trade. <laughs> Sometimes out of just by accident. And, you know, they have this thing where they just keep surviving. These ridiculous situations where they're almost going to get killed, and then they don't, and then they survive. And uh, eventually, um, you know, it all breaks down uh, for Walter White. You know, everybody finds out. And uh, then the brother-in-law finds out. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. The brother-in-law finds out. And then he comes after him and then blah, blah, blah. You know, just... Well, I think, you know, one of the great crazy. things, and I've always said this as I was watching the show with friends, is that the show is about a chemist and really metaphorically all the relationships on the show and, and all the interactions are a lot like chemistry um, you know he has this desire to have a perfect life and a perfect uh, work situation and he he really thinks he can control the unstable aspects of being a, a drug lord yeah. but you know like much like an unstable chemical uh, equation or, or some kind of mixture like things can explode at any time and it does frequently on the show. Um, and, and lest we forget some, some of the great supporting cast members on the show, like Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Oh, yes. Who plays Saul Goodman, Saul their, Goodman. Their, their super sleazy lawyer, who uh, is evidently getting a spinoff show. Yeah, it's like this, a prequel. Yeah, this next uh, season on AMC, which is, you know, I'm, I'm excited for that, so we're going to get to see 
potentially some more of the Breaking Bad universe expanded and also the great Jonathan Banks yes. who you might know from the old TV show Wise Guy uh, amongst the many many other things in his uh, history yeah. of uh, film and, and TV but Jonathan Banks plays a enforcer named Mike who's just fantastic he's similarly stoic to Gus he's like Gus's big enforcer oh here comes my dog into the into the recording session um but yeah, Mike is a, is a great character, very very likable, um, and a great addition to the show late in the game. Yeah. So, by the way, he has that smell. That the old. Boston Terry, they all have that smell. <laughs> that smells like an open bag of Doritos. <laughs> when they get when they like get worked up and all, they have that same smell. Yeah, yeah my Boston Terrier has the. Um, What's known as, in the dog owners community as Frito foot, is that what it is? where they're after a, a few days after you get a, give them a bath, they start to smell like Fritos or Doritos. Yeah, don't right. Hobart, don't lick the microphone. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah, so yeah, the Mike guy is very, uh, you know, he's like this killer. Yeah, he's total enforcer slash hitman slash jack of all trades for, and you could tell he he's been. Uh, previous, he was previously in law enforcement, retired, but I mean, it seems like he even has like military special ops training. He's he's so effective. <laughs> and he's like, like six, sixty years old. Sure, yeah, and that's cool. We're talking about Mike, so yeah, he was a main character, uh, like the Saul Goodman character, Odenkirk. He was like the uh, you know the scummy one eight hundred lawyer guy. Who also doubled as a uh, money launderer, amongst other things. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, uh, and then, of course, at the end, there he had this like cleaner guy who would make you disappear. Oh well, right, not, not by, kill you, but played by Robert Forster. Yeah, and he actually was a vacuum cleaner guy. Yes. Vacuum cleaner stuff. <laughs> and so Goodman's like, it's like, I can't believe you actually got vacuums in here. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the great shows of the past decade, and and it, unlike so many other shows that had uniquely polarizing endings or or kind of went off the rails in the later seasons, it, yeah. it maintains a really even consistency, and the ending was almost universally uh, adored by fans. It, it wraps everything up the way yeah. that you would want it to, and hope it would you know it's it's great in nailing that yeah what's funny about the show is it's not gruesome because they really couldn't do that on amc they couldn't really get gruesome it's not ultra violent wait a minute you're talking about the network that's walking dead where people like get eviscerated with true. samurai swords <laughs> <laughs> you know like but they're the, already dead yeah most of them no except for poor uh, herschel <laughs> um by the way, is his head still going? You think? Probably. <laughs> I don't know if they if they executed the head. Oh. Um. So, but even amongst all that, I I laughed at like almost every episode. It was hilarious. I mean, you know, Aaron Paul is hilarious. It definitely has a dark comedy vibe in the in the way and, that like a Coen Brothers film and, would. And Cranston, in so many ways was very similar to his kind of Malcolm in the Middle guy where you know like the littlest things would annoy this Walter White 
guy, and I mean, he was just like the you think like the most mundane things, and would just enrage him. And that was his fatal flaw that yes. so many mistakes he made were based on his like easily uh, tripped perfectionist yeah. attitude. And I just, I'm just like, I'm actually like trying, like sitting as he, like he sits kind of like hunched over, and he, when he gets angry, he's like hunches over. And here, here's a funny story. I didn't get a picture of this. But on Saturday, you know, I did that bike ride that I do sure. all the way down the, down the shore there, and we stop at the bars and everything. So, at the end, we're basically where I ended it. Um, at night, we go into this bar um, in Belmar, um, and, and I'm eating dinner or whatever. And I'm you know I'm sitting there, and I look over, and I did like a triple take. There was a guy at the bar who I'm not kidding you had the exact Walter White look. I'm so pissed I didn't get the pork pie hat. He had the same the black hat. He had the 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 reddish goatee, <laughs> bald, completely shaved head, yeah. and the glasses. Nice. <clears throat> I don't think it was Brian Cranston. I'm sure I'm sure everybody, you know, probably walked up to him and said, Hey Heisenberg. <laughs> I was just like I said to the other guys, I was like, Look, what you know, what's what what do you what do you think the deal is with this guy? <laughs> Halloween know. costume uh, that he decided <laughs> not to take May. off all year. Um, well, I mean, it was sort of like you know, like people like that look like Elvis. Yeah. Well, you know, Brian Cranston may have made that look in vogue to bald guys who have goatees. You know, they all right. They get they go out get the hat, and it's it's a look. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of think. What else about John Larroquette was on that was on the show briefly. I mean, not John. Lar- um, no, John Delancey. John Delancey. Q. Yes. From Q. Yeah. Oh, he his Gosh. season. Here's a little Easter egg. If you're going through, I believe it's season three of the show. Um, look at the episode titles, and the titles of each episode in episode three they're interspersed, but they have very odd names like. 203 and then one episode's called down and then an episode maybe three or four later is called over mm-hmm. and then you know an episode towards the end albuquerque so like you stitch those together oh. and each one of those it says like you know flight 203 down over albuquerque ah, I see. and there's a there's a thread that runs through that season right. about a, about an airliner that explodes yeah. and you get to i mean that that's kind of the inner workings of that show they're hiding little things in there that you want to see and um, and they're they're very clever about that. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff upon a rewatch that you pick up that you might not have the first time around. Yeah, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I'll watch it again as I did. Basically, so essentially, I I went onto Netflix and over like a two and a half week period watched every episode. It's like sixty something. Um, and I mean, I was it was riveting. I, I just like I figured, all right, this will probably take me a couple of months, and then it just was like, all right, I, you know, like I would watch one, and I'd be like, oh, I gotta watch the next one. They pace them in a way where the endings want they want you desperately to, you know, go right to the next episode. <laughs> they, yeah, they make it. They they give you not so much cliffhangers, but they give you like a driving need to like see what happens next. So. I guess it, when you think about the the character, the Walter White character, he has this relationship that they they have with this Jesse guy, which was clearly father son. 
think. No, most definitely. Be, and, you know, it's interesting because his own, again, his own son was, you know, uh, handicapped. And so I don't know if he, like, could f- felt like he, you know, he, he would have this, like, relationship with him. He really couldn't because of the disability. So he went with this other guy. I don't, it's, it's interesting. Because, like, in, in many periods of the show, he wants to kill him. Yeah, the, the, you know Jesse Pinkman, but then he saves him and wants to kill him again. Saves him again, and then they save you know each other, and you know that that's part of the dynamic. And then also the sense that he was this this man. And the other part of it is when he was younger, he was um, interested in this woman who eventually married a friend of his, and the three of them had put together this company. Um, I don't even know how to term the company. It was sort of, seemed like an apple. Yeah, or maybe like a biochemical research. Yeah. They, they don't get into the nuts and bolts of what the gray matter company is. Yeah, it was But it's, it's probably a, a Apple style. Yeah, like a Google, like sure. an Apple kind of a thing. And apparently he got so angry at some point that about the relationship not working out that he, he basically left for nothing. I don't know what they paid him like. Five thousand dollars or something. They bought him out for yeah, a, like a, pit, a pittance. But yeah. it was enough for him as a young, uh, you know, working right. guy that it, it set him it set him up for a little while. But yeah, and so now like, but tw- not billions yeah, of dollars. Until like twenty five years later, they're billionaires, and this guy has been watching their stock like every year mm-hmm. since, and it developed this this like psychopathic, uh, you know, rage yeah. against them. Which and without spoiling anything, very funny. You, we do get to see some retribution uh, at the end of the series. In a sense, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I really like about the Walter White character is that he's egocentric in a way that he believes that all of his beautifully crafted lies yeah. are believable, <laughs> but it's obvious to the viewer that his family and friends and everybody he tells these, like, really, really dynamically crafted lies to, you know, cover up what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost nobody believes him. No. It, but he's he's so convinced that he's so much so much smarter than everybody that he can pull this off. And it just... But not only that, he he doesn't believe that he's a criminal. <laughs> like he, he's 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 almost <clears throat> like in he's like shocked that his when his wife finds out that that she's angered by this. He's like, what? Yeah, well, it was you know in his mind it was all for the for his family. Yes. Everything is yes. everything that drives Walter White is ultimately the end game is to make sure that his family is financially well off. And even though it, destro- it destroys them in the end, sure it, it does. But um, you know, if you watch the show, you again there will be retribution, and in, in almost every aspect of the show wraps up in a way that's. I mean, there's some real serious tragedies towards the end, but then, you know, things work out as well as they can yeah. in, in how it how it tailspins. So, uh, at the Chiller Theater last year, you met Mark Margolis. Uh, yes. Who I know as Mr. Shikadance <laughs> from Ace Ventura. Well, he's, he's certainly um, such a memorable character in Breaking Bad because... He's a guy that, you know, in 90% of his screen time is physically paralyzed yeah. 100%. Except he, for an index finger. An index finger and some torsion in his face. Like, yeah. he can he can contort his mouth into, like, these horrible <laughs> expressions. 
and he can ring a bell on his wheelchair. Oh, and, and he can also crap his pants. <laughs> yes. But it's, it's amazing that for the duration so, so, of his So this guy, role, basically this guy was a Mexican cartel guy. Yeah. And... Had a stroke at some had point. Had some kind it? of a massive stroke and couldn't move. And they put him in this retirement home somewhere in New Mexico or wherever there. And he just becomes part of the whole story. You know, he had killed somebody that angered this one guy and his nephews were involved and and this and that. Oh, I mean, Danny Trejo. Oh, sure. <laughs> Trejo. The was great Danny Trejo. Uh, like two episodes. Plays a character, what, the tortoise? The or tortoise. Some, the, the something tortoise. like that. Um, yeah, he's he's uh, he has an interesting little line, uh, run on the show. Yeah. And Danny Trejo's always, you know, he just basically plays himself. Yeah, he's a goof. <laughs> um, but the Mark Margolis character, it's great how... So the only thing that he could do to... to communicate was to ring a bell that was like taped onto his wheelchair. It was yeah. his little like dinner bell and uh, you met him and you, you got him to sign a bell. <laughs> yeah, oh, I got him to sign several bells oh, and his, his response was, uh, you know what are you doing with these things? And I'm like, I'm giving them to my close Breaking Bad friends as, right. as holiday presents Christmas and Hanukkah and uh, he was like, don't you have anything better you can spend your money on for oh. But he was, yeah, you know, great sense of humor about it. Yeah. But his character is great because he spends so much. You spend so much screen time with him, and he never says a word. Yeah, and it's amazing how how much emotion he could evoke with in silence and twisted, you know, contorted face of and ringing bell. Well, he, and he's also frequently like a, a mafia kind of a guy. Of course, that sure. he was one of the. Well, he wasn't a, a big shot, but he was one of the guys in Scarface that was. Uh, and he was like a henchman there, sure, sure. and of course he was on the HBO show Oz. Yes, um, which I don't recommend watching with a with a full stomach. <laughs> uh, he was like a mafia guy there, and here's an interesting story. Um, his son, uh, not his son, but uh, I think his nephew or something on the Oz show. Uh, I know the guy. He he uh, delivers pizzas. Yeah, to my <laughs> nice. <laughs> not acting anymore. He, but he was on us. Yes, he, he was. was uh, I forget the kid. He was the uh, the mafia guy's son. Okay. Who at a BC raped? Oh yeah. Did he not make it through the whole series? One of those characters. He no. He went through like the whole series, and they kept raping him <laughs> in different <laughs> characters. And I think eventually they killed him. Yeah, m- most people on Oz got raped. To be yeah, fair. there was a lot of a lot of a lot of prison rape. <laughs> prison rape. You know, people crapping on other people's faces and. Putting glass on in in people's yeah. food poisoning and, yeah, them oh, and yeah, Oz is like the the, the most graphic prison uh, drama, and you know a good seventy percent of the cast does not make it through. To oh, the <laughs> not only that, but then they kept bringing they kept bringing people in like family. They kept killing the family members of the yeah. the prisoners. It was insane. But uh, you know a great one of those. Uh, Yes. Is it a Dick Wolf what, what, show or uh, uh, Tom Fontana? All those, maybe. all of those, um, that closely knit universe of Law and Order, um, Homicide, Oz. I believe they all exist in the same universe. They all have like crossover. I, was was Detective Munch ever on uh, Oz? No, no. I think Oz is separate because is that's separate? well. The thing like ho- not to get off subject, but Homicide and Law and Order were all the same production yeah. company, you know, St. News on NBC. Right. So they could do the crossovers. Yeah. Um, well, Munch crossed over into a bunch of stuff. He was on X-Files. 
He was? Yeah. He appeared on like a... As, a, as Munch? Yes, as Munch. Yeah, well, Munch. How did they do that? Uh, they just, I guess, uh, friends between production companies. Oh, weird. Um, Richard Belzer. Yeah, Belzer. He, he got around. Yeah, I think Munch was like the connecting thread between a lot of shows. Well, Homicide was Barry Levinson. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was... Uh... If my friend John was here, he could... He could rattle off all the shows Munch was on. He was a big Munch fanatic. I guess he gets a Munch can get away with it because he's really not much of a character. He's just he's just like a grouchy cop. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that's the appeal of Munch. He's just that sardonic, you know, partner, cop partner that you kind of want, you know. Him and Ice T together were were always gold on yeah. screen. Um, but speaking of of you know gold on screen you know practically the entire cast of breaking bad was was really you know always always chewing up the scenery lot lots of stuff i mean a lot of people through the course of the show a lot of the fan base really did not like skylar um his, his wife but by the time you get to the end you have to be sympathetic <laughs> she really goes through so much i mean she's uh, yeah you know i could like i understood the part towards the end where she was like petrified of of her husband but i also i i didn't i don't know how believable it could be that she became like like an accomplice in a sense where she wanted the money just as much as him yeah it's a little it, weird it was kind of fleeting for her like she you know, at at the point where the the money coming in was so enormous that she could no longer count it, she, they had like an like an entire storage locker, yeah. like on Pawn, not Pawn Stars, on uh, Storage Wars, yeah. where you know they opened it up and and there was literally shipping pallets full of cash that you know were stacked almost as high as the ceiling, and yeah. it's just like you know, at some point, how much is too much? How much is not enough? It's it's insane when when you get to a point of you know no return where you it just keeps coming in you, where well, do you stop well again the Walter White character wanted he wanted like an empire he yeah. wanted he wanted to be to outdo these two colleagues that right. had become billionaires he wanted to outdo them and uh, yeah that's that was part of the drive there and of course the other there's so many like goofy things about the show um he drove a Pontiac. Uh, God, what the heck was that car? Aztec. <laughs> yeah, for a majority of the show. <laughs> Which was a, like the biggest, ugliest hunk of junk car ever made, and it was in. It was like lime green. It was a color that General Motors definitely didn't sell. <laughs> but it, it's funny. It's like one of those cars you like you never see. But it was like so much him, and it kept getting crashed, and he kept <laughs> fixing it. <laughs> Until eventually he just yeah, gets like just, a what a Chrysler three hundred or yeah he bought like a, a muscle car yeah um, another great character on the show uh, was played by David Costable Gail Boddicker yes one of his um, he he's set up with Walter White as a as his lab partner by the yeah. uh, by the drug lords um, and eventually they want Boddicker to take over and that that character he's really memorable. Um, He's a, a, a kind of a emotional student of Walter White's. He's aware of his yeah. work and he like kind of a 
falls in love with him almost uh, in terms yeah, of admirer. Yeah, a super fan, a Walter White super fan on the show, and he he has some great scenes. Um, and there's a video of him you can find on YouTube <laughs> doing a karaoke number Stupid. that they they oh, produced yeah. the entire thing. You only see it for like a moment on the show, right. but you can see the entire karaoke video if you go on YouTube and you you look up Gail Boddicker karaoke. It's it's worth watching. Even if you're not a fan of the show, even if you haven't started watching the damn show yet, just watch that thing and it I'm sure it'll inspire you to get to that point in the show. You're going to want to see how that fits in. So, what was your, you know, your full thoughts on breaking what when, when everything's said and done, is it a 10 out of 10? Is it a, a perfect show for you? Is, um I think for as I was going through it, I think once I think through about like the fourth season, I would say like a ten out of ten. Um, the fifth season, which was again broken into like essentially two seasons, uh, AMC is so guilty of that. So yeah, they all do it, and Sopranos did it at the end too. And um, I think that season, although it was good, even though it wrapped it up well, I didn't like it. Tremendously, so maybe the show goes down to like a nine mm. because of it. I just, to me, it seemed a little far fetched to have, like I said, to have the wife like become partner in it, and um, and then you know, you know, White himself, like some of the ridiculous situations that he would get out of started getting. Yeah, I suppose in the in the last season, it starts to get very dangerously redundant. In certain parts where you, they're kind of retreading, like him flip flopping yeah. on on his ideas, but I mean it. To me, yeah, I think I'm similarly in in like the nine out of ten situation, and and not because of any severe dip in quality. It's just that something about the show. I I, I adore it, and I think it's it's wonderfully consistent from start to finish, and that's one of the reasons I like it so much. Is that it it never really trails off into like a terrible season you don't get like a you know there were some seasons of shows like the sopranos or lost or house or you know these great serialized shows with great characters and great casts where it just becomes a chore to get through i kind of feel like i'm there with mad men in this final season where it's like i i really like the characters and i want to see where it goes but it's it's becoming a task to get through it just to see where the end game is and and breaking bad never really gets there but it becomes it gets dangerously close it skirts the razor's edge towards the end of like okay let's just get to the end game now let's get let's get everything wrapped up and and well i mean again you know like again spoiler but at one point someone in their party shoots a child dead to kind of cover up from for their stuff mm-hmm. and it, it like the the Walter Walter White he never he didn't seem to care about this. Yeah, and I thought it was a kind of strange. <laughs> well, you know he's it was very it was very it was he's kind of numb I think towards the end of things yeah. you know especially considering everything that they go through and and Walter White commits some you know horrible things against that same child at at some point in the is it this is it Brock are we talking about no 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 the, the kid in the desert oh okay the, the, the motorbike kid with the spider yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Walter is so wrapped up in that whole um, Wild West kind of train robbery yeah. thing at that point that he's he's not thinking clearly. Uh, the other thing I like, I did like about the show was it, it was a little bit like Lost in the sense that they would you were saying with the episode titles, but also like there were little clues that you would see in the beginning of the season, and you were like, "Oh yeah, what?" Like the pink bear floating in the pool sure. that would yeah. show up. And you were like, "What is this?" Yeah, they what take a while mean? to to really. And then they it. kind of eventually like unravel what it what it means, which is you know kind of cool, but yeah. To me, I mean, I it's it's a close. It's very close to a perfect show, but I I go back in my personal taste and my personal TV viewing histories and I, I find myself more fondly remembering a show like Lost which had serious ups and downs but you know it it maybe by way of it being science fiction it, it had some much more exhilaratingly exciting things that went on. Ha, have you watched it again after the original run? I have not. I have watched you know I don't think I can. I've rewatched the first three seasons several times. I think Yeah, I up think to after the, that. Up to the third season I think is is where I mean well season four was hampered by the writer's strike. There was That's it was right. abbreviated and it had it had some it suffered under some serious stress of the writer's strike. And then the final seasons, the fifth and sixth seasons were um, a little bit more consistent and they got really deep into the sci fi type stuff in the in the yeah, that was when they were flashing forward, sideways, and back, and, yeah. and sideways. Um, so you know, again, Lost was certainly a more flawed show, but I, I, I'd rank it a little higher. I think it's it's not perfect, but I enjoy. I could imagine going back and doing more of a, a consistent rewatch. Breaking Bad, yeah, I probably won't go back and rewatch it if it's you know in syndication. If I happen to catch it while it's on, I'll you know hang around and watch whatever's going on and you know have some fond remembrance of. Hey, Breaking Bad. So now they're doing the prequel yeah, series, that, which is, uh, what is it, Gotta Call Saul? Better Call Saul. Better Call, Better Call Saul. Saul, which is his commercials from yeah. the uh, Breaking Bad. Um, so that's a prequel. Um, now I saw Brian Cranston was on some show yesterday or something, maybe Today Show or something, and they were needling him about uh, uh, Breaking Bad, and he's like, well, you know... Uh, they never showed my character zipped up and <laughs> put in the morgue or whatever. So it's like, you never oh, know. Oh, Brian Cranston. You never know. You're just you're just teasing. You're trolling us with that. Uh, but he actually, I mean, you could almost call him, I know he was a producer, but I mean, he his in, he, he had a lot of input on the, uh, the writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess for the better. Yeah, I think AMC they they give those freedoms to people. I mean, once they're once the show is, is solidified and you know, and, and I yeah, I have heard Brian Cranston on some show. I heard him on Stern show talking about um, his production credit is not a vanity thing. Like he definitely was involved in the in the production of the show once it was up and running, and you know he got that credit. But you know, and a lot yeah, a lot of people do. They they take a producer credit and they sit back and they do nothing, but. If Brian Cranston was that heavily involved, then kudos to him because he, you know, he kept his character, you know, on track. If that was the case, and I like the uh, the like faux ending that they put on like YouTube, where um, they showed like everything blowing up, and then he wakes up from like a sleep. He's <laughs> like, oh, oh, what the hell happened? And it's it's the Malcolm in the Middle character yeah. with uh, Jane. They're doing the Bob, the Bob Newhart, the 
Suzanne okay. Plachette with Bob Newhart at the end. Of uh, the, right, right. At the end of the Newhart, um, the one where he, he the runs second the second Newhart. Yeah, or? the innkeeps an innkeeper at a you know hotel in Maine or somewhere upstate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that that was that was great. And you know, the, oh God, so many so many damn people made the joke that oh, Breaking Bad was a sequel to Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> what if you know he divorces his wife and he has his second family ha 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 like everyone made that joke when the show was in its running in its prime or getting towards the end and it's like okay <laughs> all right everybody make Ooh. that joke. yeah but it's like well why even why bother because uh, it's e so easy to make a connection and say oh, oh, well, right, well. there he is he's a guy and he's in his you know 50s or whatever and he leaves he leaves the Malcolm in the Middle family and he goes off to New Mexico and has another family and ha ha funny. Yeah, but how would he have like the that. other? How would the other family have like a seventeen-year-old son? No, I don't know. You just have to suspend your disbelief right. for this, the sake of the hilarious joke that everybody made and thought was hilarious. Yeah. So, any any final thoughts on Breaking Bad? No, no, that's I don't it. Think so, I like the use of um, "Baby Blue" by Badfinger in the closing moments of the show. Right. I, I, Fitting a fitting end because is the meth that he makes is blue. Blue, yeah, blue meth. The blue meth. The blue meth. That's that's all. The show's all about the blue meth. Right. So all right. So that's Breaking Bad in yeah. a nutshell. If you haven't watched it yet, go get started. It's all on Netflix. Is it the whole thing on Netflix now? Yeah. They, well, they yeah. Have, I mean, I watched the whole thing. They have the whole series on Netflix for a while. They didn't have the final season, and people were like, "What do I do?" I do I download it illegally? Do I go on iTunes? I mean, what? It was in September of last year, and I watched it in like March. Well, for a while, it, the whole thing wasn't on there. So, right. there was a grace period where the show had ended and it hadn't made its way onto Netflix, which happens. That's you know one of the small downfalls of Netflix is they tend to be a little slow in picking up the syndicated stuff to get you know full seasons on there, but they do eventually. Alrighty. Oh, so appreciate it. Yes. It's, it's a good show. It's worth appreciating. No, I appreciate you. Oh, well, I had on the here. necessary sure. knowledge to share. Unlike Rob. Oh God. We'll never see it. He you know, he um he still hasn't even seen Lost. Well he's got a lot of catching up to do. He's supposed to rewatch it from season one through six and it will never happen. <laughs> he has Re the DVDs. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Fargo? No. Oh my God, it's fantastic. I, I've heard that. I just, I, I didn't really like the movie. Oh, yeah. Then you probably wouldn't like the TV series. It's it's like a more robust version of the film. It's like you know, it's a ten episode miniseries, so it's certainly much longer and and mm. more fleshed out. Um, and it's it's not the characters from the movie Fargo. It takes place ten years later, but there are ah. con there are connecting things to the movie which are really great winks and nods and. It's got such a fantastic cast. It's it's dare I say it's better than the film, which is you know an Academy Award winning classic. Um, you know whether you like it or not, it's it's definitely it's a it's a moment in American film history, and it's probably one of the Coen Brothers' shining achievements. But the the TV series, their producers on it, and it's just stunning. It's like so well done, and the cast is. Outstanding. Is that on AMC or? Uh, it's on FX. Oh, FX. So. And the whole series, I believe, is on demand on FX. Really? So I would, you know, at the very least, check out the first episode. You get, you got Martin, Martin. Freeman and uh, Billy Bob Thornton in there. 
and uh, Tom Hanks Jr. What's his name? Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks. Colin yeah. Hanks. He, Colin Hanks in a much better role than Dexter. Than Dexter. Oh my god. <laughs> Talk about a show with an ending that, like, it did everything wrong, uh, Dexter. Well, that was a show that just went one year too many. Uh, I think it went four years too many. All right, well. <laughs> Anything after the John Lithgow stuff, you could just stop watching Dexter. If, yeah. you, if you're going through Dexter now and you get through the John Lithgow season, just pretend that it ends there because there's nothing of any value beyond uh, that. Why? The thing that I hated about the end of Dexter was that he didn't die. Like he deserved uh, to die the yeah. most, and oh, didn't die. It would have been great if he was, you know, they showed him on that like lumberjack thing, yeah. and a big log just fell on him. And yeah, that would have been funny. Crushed him like, like a big like Looney Tunes character yeah. with his le- arms and legs splayed out <laughs> under the log. <clears throat> oh well. Oh well. you